We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Angels have shaken up the trade market because Shohei Otani is not getting dealt and Lucas Giolito has been dealt to the Angels. We'll cover that and everything else. Uh, that we've seen so far and what needs to happen coming up next with my good friend Joe Sheehan from the Joe Sheehan Baseball Newsletter coming up next on the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Everybody, welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm Jeff Erickson here with my good friend Joe Sheehan. Uh, the best baseball writer that I know for my money, and I will st- stick to that uh, always. Um, and it's a busy, busy time right now. We've got the baseball trade lo- chair deadline coming up on Tuesday, and we've had a lot of resolution already. Some dominoes are falling. Joe, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Jeff, you know I listen to every episode, man. I'm really thrilled to be on. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. And I'm uh, thrilled to be talking with you. Um, Angels fans have to be as thrilled as anybody on the planet right now. They got to keep Shohei Otani for another couple more months. They've had a really good 24 hours. They added Lucas Giolito and Shohei Otani through his first complete game shutout earlier today and has already homered in the in the second game of the doubleheader. Yeah, that bum went 0 for 5 in the first game. So I don't yeah. know what everybody's so excited about. But <laughs> no, this is a big moment. You know, I, I've insisted all along, Jeff, that they were not going to trade Otani just because their only chance to retain Otani would have was going to be to make the playoffs with him this year. And I think yep. unless the Angels were 10, 11 games out of a playoff spot, they were never trading him. The surprise, though, is that they were aggressive yesterday going out and getting Giolito. And the guy I think might be the key to the deal, uh, Reynaldo Lopez, who's actually been very good the last month or so. And really since April has been you know kind of the reliever that we expected him to be. So given the needs both in the rotation and the bullpen, this is a kind of a perfect trade for the Angels. Yeah, and it's refreshing to say, no, we're going to go for it. I like seeing that. Uh, Always like seeing that. Currently, the Angels sit three and a half games out of the wild card after their first game win. They're already up five nothing in the the nightcap here against the Tigers. It's early in that one. Uh, Patrick Sandoval on the mound on that one there. Uh, They're also two teams behind, uh, three teams behind Blue Jays, Red Sox and Yankees. uh, One and a half, two and a half and three and a half, respectively, uh, uh, is where where although I'm doing it in reverse order, but you know what I mean? The three and a half games out of the final wild, wild card spot. The Blue Jays currently hold it. Um, the Rays are still a wild card. The Astros are still a wild, wild card. There's some really good teams that are wild card teams or wild card adjacent right now. 
Yeah, and this is why I prefer to look at the standings than, than the playoff odds. And I think playoff odds can be good as a, a unifying device or something mm-hmm. to organize an article with. But you have to really go by the standings. And if you're four yep. and a half games out of a playoff spot, which is where they were when they made this decision, you know, you've got to go for it. You can't just say, well, this, you know, we only have a four to five percent chance. They do have a tough schedule coming in. You got to give them that. But as you say, the, you know, if you're going to expand the playoffs to 40 percent of the league, you can't have the teams with a chance at those spots not valuing those spots. And, you know, we saw last year, the six seeds both won in the first round. Yep. One of the six seeds went to, you know, got to win two wins of a world championship. So this is the nature of the baseball playoffs. As long as you can get in, you have a chance. So I think teams and certainly the media are still navigating this a little bit, you know, trying to learn how, how do we value those last couple of playoff spots? Because remember, under the old system, all you got was one game. You, know, you might run into Jacob deGrom or Jake Arrieta or Madison Bumgarner and be done. So it was hard to really value those spots. But now it's an additional spot. You definitely get a best of three. And you generally, you know, playing the weakest division winner, which is actually often a better matchup than the toughest wild card. So right. for all these reasons, we've got to see teams go for it more. Certainly your red should be on that list. Yes, and we'll get, we'll get to them. Um, I, I'm prepared to be disappointed by that, but I'm you know that's just my nature, I think too. But uh, yeah, it's just and you're you're absolutely right. The they the Angels have so much marketing invested in Shohei Otani. Uh, the fan base is there for him. Uh, if I've I've been to an Angels game recently, they're at they're they're advertising for Japanese cat food at Angels games. I mean, yes, it's super important. <laughs> to everything here and once they trade them any chance of retaining them is gone you're absolutely right about that too so i i like it and you know this is a team though if you look at them too like they, they probably should be a little even better than they are i mean they're 25 they're, they're plus 25 in the run totals uh 53 and 49 um i i kind of feel like that they could be even a little bit better they've had so many infield injuries i think they're not done i think they need to do more uh, I think Giolito is a good ad. Lopez is a good ad. I feel like there's got to be like one more trade. I'd like to see them pick up a left-handed reliever or really yep. any additional reliever to further lengthen that bullpen. Maybe one more bat. They've been faking it with, you know, Mike Moustakas and, and all these infielders that they've collected. But again, one more bat. They actually let uh, Jared Walsh go this week. I saw that. Uh, in, in all of these moves to, to make these deals. So I wonder if there might be a left-handed batter. And the thing is, I think they can go cheap here. I don't mean in terms of economically. But the, they don't have to go out and get the best in the market. A small improvement, left-handed hitter, left-handed reliever, I think will help them a lot. They don't necessarily have to get the top of the market here to help themselves. I'd agree with that. Uh, so Giolito, uh, let, let's talk about him first. Uh, how does he? How does his profile fit in Anaheim? Yeah, I mean, this somebody that pays. Not really the power arm he was a couple of years ago. The, the, the Velo never came back. He's certainly prone to blow up starts. I do think he's better than Jorge Mateo. <coughs> uh, but no, I, I think he's a three. And I, I, that hurt, there. by the way. I, I, I'm, I'm not going <laughs> to ignore that. That's hurtful. Um, I still think uh, Elizardo is better than uh, Giolito, but nonetheless, yes. That, that was one of my many, many mad moves this year. Uh, yeah, that was a trade we made in, to let people know, which made that trade in labor uh, early in the year. I got lucky. I timed that. I, got, I was able to leverage the Jorge Mateo start. But to, to bring it back to the Angels, now you go Otani, Sandoval, Giolito in some order in a playoff round. To me, that's a competitive top three, especially when you look around at the American League playoff teams. And 
Now, they're not a lot of great top of rotations. If you match up with the Orioles, I think Otani, Giolito, uh, Sandoval looks really good. You look at the, even the Astros. You know, Franco Valdez has had the injury issues. Christian Javier hasn't been as effective. You know, who knows what they're going to get out of Urquidy or Hunter Brown down the stretch. I think that's actually now a very competitive rotation in the AL. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, and, you know, if they get that other relief arm, they can, you know, extend that there. I mean, the thing is, they go with the six-man rotation. One one of their current starters has to be out. Maybe it's Chase Silseth as last in, first out sort of thing. Silseth could be interesting coming out of that bullpen. He can he can he he'll he'll add some velocity, be a max effort guy. I could see that working. Yeah, that's actually not a bad way to go. Cause yeah, I do think they'll keep uh, Canning, Detmers, and oh, I'm blanking on who the sixth guy is. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's the spot that Giolito ends up taking. You know, they'll have options down the stretch as well. Remember, Detmers will be coming up on a on an innings high. Yeah. Um, Otani, you know, with the blister and the, the, the fingernail, obviously he looked great today, but you always worry about whether he'll need an extra day off. I don't think you can ever have too many pitchers. And, uh, you know, one of the reasons actually trading for Otani was to me going to be complicated is that it would have forced a new team to go to a six man. Yeah. Now, that's fine if you don't have a true number one. But if you do have a guy you want to make uh, who you want starting every fifth day, integrating Totani into that rotation would have been difficult. So I think it, it made sense in the end for the Angels to keep him. They you know, obviously get the most value out of him, even from a direct revenue standpoint. You, know, you talk about the crowds in Anaheim. I, you're talking about maybe another 25 home games. I do think they would have taken a revenue hit if Otani wasn't on the team down the stretch. Absolutely. And I don't think... I, I should say, I think that's more impactful this year than ever because of the fall off of Bally's and all the TV deals and all that. And I'm pretty sure the Angels are one. I'm looking at the screen right now. They are a Bally's team. So you never know. I mean, they, they haven't gone. They haven't defaulted on the Angels like they did the Padres. But nonetheless, I think that's an issue that hovers over all of these teams. Well, certainly looking forward. They, uh, Diamond has bailed on the Padres and the Diamondbacks. Um, they paid, I believe, they one payment to the to the Padres and two to the Diamondbacks along the way. The rest of the Diamond team certainly go into this winter with a certain amount of uh, uncertainty. MLB has backstopped the revenue. So if you're supposed to make, just to pick a number here, $50 million from your Bally's contract and Diamond dumps it, MLB will give you $40 million for it. So you're not right. getting completely host here. And that makes a big deal for a lot of teams because one of the things about Diamond is that they hold the rights to a lot of smaller and mid-market teams where the TV revenues aren't very easily made up in other ways. So right. I don't know if it would affect the, the, the uh, Angels too much, but that, di that Diamondbacks contract, they were making $75 million off of it. If that money had all gone away completely, it would have been a big hole in uh, – is that still Ken Kendrick, I guess, owning that team? Um, yeah, so and I do a host think that, of others, yes, yes, absolutely. Host of, yeah, so, but even then, say it's 80%, that's $60 million, that's $15 million you're not getting. Does that influence your decisions at the trade deadline for a team that is part of that essentially five-way tie for three playoff spots in the NL? Absolutely. And, and the, the Padres, too. I mean, well, their big outlay. Um, and, I mean, I mean, they're getting all the in-game like the in -game revenue, at least. I mean, their, their crowds haven't dissipated yet because uh, it takes a while. They have this huge season ticket base right now, at least. They've got that going for them. But nonetheless, that that's that's a big factor. Uh, so anyways, oh, by the way, the forgotten Beatle uh, is Tyler Anderson is the other guy we're forgetting about, about the uh, in the rotation. Um, and I could see a case for keeping Silseth over Anderson. It's just a question who's more likely to be a better guy in the bullpen almost at this point in time. Because um, Anderson has been outright bad. 
you know, the Dodger uh, pixie dust has worn off and he's back to being Tyler Anderson again. It's also the question of having the three-year commitment to Anderson on the contract. Do you really want to start damaging that relationship? I do think that you, just from a baseball standpoint, you've nailed it. I'd much rather have Silseth come out of the pen. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, there, there, yeah, it's, it, it is a question of fit. I, I, the, the contract, that's a sunk cost, in my opinion. Um, it is, you know, it's there. It's going to be paid regardless. It's not football. Um, so, you, you know, he, he'll have to be upset if he's upset. That's, that's, maybe, maybe he'll pitch better. I don't know. But uh, interesting. Good, good day all around for Angels fans, though, to say, say the least. Uh, let's move on. The Dodgers go across town. Some of their thunder was stolen. They thought they might be getting Giolito. They desperately need Giolito and, and friends. Um, they have, uh, however, made a couple of tactical moves, adding uh, two right-handed hitters, which they really, really needed. Uh, Enrique Hernandez uh, coming back to the fold, can play some center, can play some infield. And then yesterday, Ahmed Rosario. Yeah, this to me is the Dodgers getting back to their team pretzel roots where you know Enrique Hernandez has played five, six positions in his career. Every place with first base, basically. Rosario's played short, second, some outfield. You know, when you look, think about the Dodgers at their best, they've had this flexibility. Now, Freeman plays first every day. Will Smith is the catcher. But almost everybody else on that roster can move around a bit. And so Roberts has more options. Now, you mentioned the right-handed hitting. That's that's a balance. Enrique Hernandez obviously having a very difficult season in, in Boston. However, a lot of that to me was being asked to play shortstop after yep. the story and Mondesi injuries. And he just was a bad. I mean, he was one of the worst defensive players in baseball this year. Getting him off a shortstop and letting him play the outfield He's actually a very good center fielder last year, and which is unusual for you know 31, 32 year old. Typically, center field is a young man's game, so he his defensive ability helped a lot. Certainly, obviously, the team is familiar with him from his time out there previously. And Rosario's just, I mean, Rosario is a legitimate starting shortstop, having a bad year to be sure. But Rosario versus uh, Miguel Rojas, that's not even a decision. So these are upgrades, especially when you consider that the Dodgers. I'll be honest with you, I think the Red Sox made a good deal in getting Robertson and the other pitching prospect for, for Hernandez. I think that's a good deal for both. He could have been designated by the Red Sox. Yeah. I mean, they they were going to have a roster crunch problem with Trevor story coming back soon. Right. And look, we put the guardians on that level of pitching development where we expect them to perform some miracles. It's Noah Syndergaard. Oh yeah. yeah, Yeah. That, that deal. Yeah. The Dodgers, I think they did just fine with that. Yeah. It shows how the desperate, the Dodgers are desperate to get starting pitching they have three rookies that are all kind of faltering right now in their starting rotation they're hoping clayton kershaw can come back soon but at the same time i mean they've got thor sitting here and with a like you know finger issue and you know come on it's it's not really that's not the issue anymore it's a lack of confidence in him they're desperate for veteran pitching and they don't want to use him and they got rosario and the guard the Guardians are also have an issue with you know rookie pitching. I mean, they've got yep. three rookies in the rotation as well. They've lost Bieber. They've lost McKenzie. Yep. Uh, you know, certain level of desperation there too. So I'm certainly curious to see if they can find anything left in Syndergaard. It feels a little like when the Phillies got him last year, where just mm-hmm. go out and give us four innings, give us four to five innings each start, and we'll, we'll make do around you. But that's also a team where you know the bullpen, which was one of the, the best bullpens in baseball last year, that's fallen apart a bit on them as well. So. It just feels like every. You're referring to the Dodgers here or the Guardians? No, the Guardians. I mean, okay. it, it, there's a lot of both, similarities. It's true for both, these by the teams. way. Yeah. Very much so. I, it doesn't feel like anybody, the Rays, you know, the Yankees with their bullpen depth, the Dodgers, the Guardians, the teams we expect to have pitching, because like nobody is confident in their pitching depth anymore. Yeah. So I think that raises a couple of questions. Uh, one, 
are, how much are the new rules a, a factor on that? Being able to pull and not just from a you know rest and recovery time with the clock, but also just the shift limitations. I mean, the Rays and the Dodgers were very aggressive shifters, and now they they are limited in that that respect. Their defense hasn't been as good, thus their pitching isn't as good either. Well, the shift restrictions on a league level, and I don't have the, the team level data in front of me, Jeff. But in the mm-hmm. league level, there's actually about as many singles in baseball this year as there were last year. Okay. Um, the increase in hits this year is more about the baseball being a little bit more lively. That's been the biggest difference. Okay. Uh, Rob Maines over at Baseball Prospectus has been looking at this stuff closely. And yeah, really, it's it's the, the difference, it's the shift on a, on a global basis isn't affecting everybody that much. You know, we've heard this about the Cardinals, too. People say, well, the Cardinals missed the shift, and that's why they're – uh, their defense isn't as good. Well, the Cardinals weren't a shifting team. They were about 21st in the league in shifts last year. Yeah. They're bad defensively for a whole host of other reasons. So, no, I think that when we're trying to figure out what's going on with the pitching this year, I, I do think we have to look at the clock, which isn't to say the clock is the cause. Um, there's been some studies. Prospectus looked at it. Uh, MLB itself looked at it. Will Carroll's looked at some stuff. And I think we have to just say it's inclusive at this point. Um, Will's made the point that it's as much about the lack of rest between innings as it yeah. is the lack of rest yeah. between pitches. That's certainly a factor. He's also pointed out that we also have an uptick in injuries among pitch, position players. And there's a question of, you know, is the clock a factor in that too? I just don't think we're ever going to, I don't say ever, I don't think we're going to have enough information this year to say whether it's the clock or not. And frankly, I don't think MLB or a lot of people around MLB care. I do think that there's a an element of accepted cost here. Where if it, if going to a clock system increased injuries by three to five percent, they would accept that and expect expecting that the players would adjust over time. Yeah, and, and it's really hard to isolate variables too. I mm-hmm. mean, it, you know, clock or any other variable for that matter too. It, baseball is a comp, uh, you know, it's a complex system, so that is one factor, a factor, and it might not. You know, we don't know how how. Uh, how, how controlling it really is. But, and also I think one of the things we are talking about the decline of bullpens. Well, guess what? Relief pitching is, you know, it, it can go like that. Anyhow, it can evaporate anyway. So, uh, you know, you see it all the time where max effort guys somehow aren't the same. The one year after another could be sample size could be, you know, because they're max effort, they uh, decline some, it's just the nature of pitching. Well, Jason Collette, who writes for you guys, of course, mm-hmm. um, has talked about the full reload. And he was the first person to point out to me that relievers were taking all of that extra time because it made them more effective. So one of the direct effects that we did expect this year is a lot of these max effort, full reload pitchers would be affected. And I, you know, if you look at it, the pitchers who took the longest last year have seen the greatest uh, uh, loss in performance. So there is something to that. And honestly, that's probably a net good for baseball, whether – it puts more offense into the game yeah. or it starts to starts to cause some of these pitchers to pitch differently over time. Um, I do think that, you know, having not having all of these you know, eight relievers on every team that come in and, you know, breathe fire is probably good for the game. Not having that, I should say, it's probably good. For the game. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, I think Kenley Jansen was the poster child of it and people are like, well, wait, he's 22 of 25. He's got a 297 ERA. He also has a 135 whip. He's, he's putting more base runners on. Um, he hasn't been as effective. That is for sure. Um, so, okay. Let's uh, so the Dodgers, they, they've got the two tactical pieces offensively, but they got to find pitching somehow like everybody else. How do they do that? I mean, the Dodgers have the, the farm system to get just about anyone they want. The problem mm-hmm. is like two years ago when they traded Gray and Ruiz for uh, Turner and, and Scherzer, that was trading for top of the market type players. 
there's no Scherzer in this market. There's no right. Turner in this market. Like even the guys you might get for more than a year, like Dylan Cease, aren't. I mean, Cease to me is a three. I know he had the good year last year, but to me, he's a three or a four. Uh, there's nobody that you'd want to trade Diego Cartaya or Dalton Rushing for. Um, or, you know, Bobby, you're not going to trade Bobby Miller at this point, but she and Grove, one of those guys. Uh, it's, it's an awkward situation when you have high-end prospects, but no high-end talent to target. I'm not trading those guys for Eduardo Rodriguez, and I love Eduardo Rodriguez. Right. But I'm not trading those guys for two months of Eduardo Rodriguez. The thing the Dodgers really need, number two starter, does not exist in this market, I don't think. I, I mean, I'm trying to think of like who could – one thing I've been looking for is like, is there, are there guys we're not looking at? Are there surprises out there who could be traded? And frankly, Jeff, I'm not seeing it. I mean, do you see any surprising situation? Maybe the Mets, but even then. I mean, the issue with the Mets is that both of those guys, Verlander and Scherzer, have no trade no trade clauses. They did they did excuse me, they dictate where they go. Yeah, I don't see Scherzer going back to the Dodgers either. Uh, <laughs> yeah. and that didn't end well. No, it did not. Uh, literally did not end well. Um, the playoffs were really awful for that. Um, in part because of how he is used, but that's another another debate for another time there too. But uh, yeah, I, I think inventory, the lack thereof, is a real big story in this year's trade deadline. And especially now that Giolito's off the market, he was, for better or worse, probably the best pitcher that was being mentioned. Yeah, Rodriguez, Stroman, and I don't even know, I don't even know if the Cubs are selling at this point. They were the right. Four and a half, I think, of the wild card at this point. Um, Again, the the Mets guys, you know, the I mean, Kyle Freeland of the Rockies—that do you really want to go after? I mean, uh, I don't think Gray or or, oh, Freeland's right. Freeland's on the IL. Uh, Gray and Gore with Washington. The bad teams this year aren't accidentally bad. They're mostly bad because they were trying to be. So they don't really have that extra talent to go around. The the Royals, the A's, the Rockies. Nobody knows what the Rockies are doing, but the Royals, A's, and Nationals are all bad because, well, they're bad. Uh, you look at the Cardinals, who are surprisingly bad. Flaherty and Montgomery are mid-rotation starters. Mentioned Giolito. I think Giolito's got more upside than that, but I think you price him out as a number three if you're trying for it. You're, you're trying to get him. There's just – there's no bad t- – like, remember when Verlander was traded by the Tigers? Like, that was a team that wasn't supposed to be bad, that got bad, but still had a number one starter to trade. There's no team like that this year. There, there is one. San Diego Padres. You have them pegged as a seller? I think there's a possibility they could be a seller with Blake Snell, who happens, I believe he happens to be, he's a free agent at the end of the year. He is. He's, I think he's an ideal candidate to trade right now. Uh, they, they're six and a half games out in the wild card. They're like nine and a half out in the, in the NL West. You know, I, I know they've invested to win this year, but they have the Bally's issue. They, you know, the diamond issue, um, if you will, they have just, they, they can't get out of their own way. They're, they just lost two or three at home to the pirates. I, I think Snell is this artificially low ERA. I think he's a perfect guy to sell right now. Now I think teams are smarter except for the Rockies um, and the Rockies aren't going to be trading for him anyhow. But uh, point is, I mean, that that's inventory right there. Josh Hader would be an ideal guy to trade right now. I just, it's similar, I guess, a little bit to the Angels, where I just have a hard time seeing them sell because they've invested so much in these two seasons, in 23 and 24. Um, you know, Soto is signed, they traded for Soto and he signed through the end of 24. That's kind of been their window. Similarly, the, the Mets are a little further out, you know, with their Verlander Scherzer window. I just I can't see AJ Preller deciding to go into a sell. Now, granted, these would be two rentals. You mentioned Hader and Snell. So it's a little bit like, okay, we can trade these guys and still come back next year. 
but I don't think you want to burn one of the years you expected to be competitive. Remember, this is the the Padres are not a bad team. If you look at third order record, they're the fourth best team in the league. If you look at mm-hmm. run differential, it's either the fourth or the fifth best run differential in the league. They've been terrible with runners on scoring position. They're like 0 and 72 in extra innings. They've got this horrific en- yeah. extra innings record. They've had one walk off win all year too. Uh, right. That was the night that, that San Diego State lost to uh, lost in the finals. That's the last time they've had a so walk off win. It. Yeah, so exactly. Um, I, I just don't think they're that bad a team. And when I, I look agree. at the teams ahead of them, I say, I, I think they can get back into this race. I think Preller recognizes that. I don't, I don't think Preller wants to sell. Now, this is the thing about the trade deadline. You know, we were having this conversation on the afternoon of the 27th. There's still four games to be played, you know, through mm-hmm. Monday. And win four, lose four, it all changes. And, you know, I give the Angels credit. They pulled the trigger. But there are still, you know, the Cubs, the Padres, maybe the Mets, maybe the Yankees whose decisions could change based on how they do this weekend. And it probably shouldn't come down to that, but having to make these binary buy-sell decisions, or even if you say soft buy or soft sell, it really is determined by, well, are we three and a half out or are we six and a half out? Yeah. And, and sometimes like the whole, you know, getting adjusting for next year doesn't necessarily mean selling off all of our talent. It might mm-hmm. be like, let's get this piece for next year. It could be that too uh, you know well, I, and i i just think the financial situation is the other thing that kind of is interesting about the padres question but i agree with you that you know it would strength the team they should be better the other the other issue hovering over them is soto because he's going to go to market we know this they're not going to get a long-term deal with him i don't think they even i don't know if they can even try right now maybe they'll surprise us they've surprised us many many other times before but um if they are acknowledging that they're going to lose him a year and a half from now I mean, I, I think if there, if, 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 if it weren't for like, you know, other factors, like the third order of factors that you're alluding to earlier there about the Padres uh, run differential, things of that nature, that I, I think if they weren't, if that weren't present, then maybe you look at that record and then, okay, maybe we sell off Soto instead. But I, I think you're probably right. I don't think they, I, they're less likely to sell. I just think they're just an intriguing uh, name in the conversation. That's for sure. Knowing how badly Preller wanted Soto, I just have a hard time seeing them trading him, certainly this week and really even into next year. And I agree, signing will be difficult. You've got commitments to Machado, Bogarts, and Darvish. Yeah. To the extent that MLB is backstopping the diamond money, we don't know exactly how long that's going to last. Right. And there's this very large window of uncertainty starting in the late 2020s as MLB goes through this transition from the cable model to whatever is going to be on the other side of the cable model where revenue is going to have to be generated directly and not through subscription fees and carriage fees or right. you know, the, the fees that get charged. And I, I don't, I think the teams that are going to be hurt the most by this, all this are the smaller market teams. And you know, the, the Padres are a big city. Uh, San Diego is a big city, but it's a small market, right? You just got nothing anywhere around it. So they're going to be the, one of the teams that probably faces the largest potential loss in revenue going through this transition. So yeah, I agree with you that the, if the DSG doesn't think really help affect them this year, I think it's a big factor in whether they can sign Soto long-term. Yeah. Or, or Otani or anybody else uh, for that matter. Absolutely. Otani's going to the Dodgers. Everybody says that we'll see, but yeah, uh, I think the Dodgers, you know, they kept their powder dry for a reason, which also might be why they do less than we think at the trade deadline too. Everything they've done here is almost neutral. I mean, they, they, they added Rosario. Sure. But they also traded away Thor. I mean, Right. They, it's not like they traded a prospect in that deal and they, they got other stuff that's you know marisnik also like other small things they've been going the sm- playing small ball of their own uh let's uh 
before we uh, discuss Carlos Santana, the Astros, the Yankees, and others, a uh, quick note from our uh, sponsors here. First, we're on the Blue Wire Network. We're always happy to be on the Blue Wire Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Thank you for your indulgence with the Blue Wire Network ads. Also, uh, we want to welcome our sponsor, Home Run Index. We know the weather can impact how far a ball can fly, but we never know what all that heat and humidity or cold air is really doing to the ball. The Home Run Forecast Index gives us an easy way to determine how good or bad the air is for ball flight. The index is calculated by measuring stadium-specific weather conditions and is displayed on a scale from 1 to 10, 1 being the most unfavorable for good ball flight and 10 indicating the most favorable air. There is a strong correlation between the index and the number of runs scored per game and the number of home runs hit. Games that have the highest index, 10 for the whole game, Average over 10 runs and 2.8 homers over the course of the year. An index is created for each game, so you can see what it will be in any stadium and how the weather's influence might change over the course of the game as well as the wind direction. Right now, you can get access to the HRF Premium site for only $5 a month and see what the index will look like for every hour of every game. Go to homerunforecast.com right now to sign up. That's homerunforecast.com. I'm here with Joe Sheehan. I'm Jeff Erickson. We are talking all, mostly trade deadline and playoff races and adjacent factors to that. And Shohei Otani has just homered again. Good day to be an Angels fan, I hear. He pitched a complete game earlier. He's now had two homers in the nightcap. He is such a unicorn. This, don't let it get old. This, this, life is good watching him play. 
Hardy's bartending after the game too, and then doing some grilling as well. So apparently, pressing clothes, pressing shirts too is apparently great at ironing. I, I don't know what to say about Otani anymore. I, numbers just don't do it because we've reached a point where everything Otani does is something nobody's done before. And I don't think statistics, and I say this as a stat head for thirty five years, I don't think statistics get out of it anymore. We're we're seeing something that he goes beyond the numbers, and it's just exactly it, it is unique in baseball history. It is. It really is. It's so awesome. I love it. All right. Uh, Carlos, how follow up that with Carlos Santana going to the Brewers. Carlos Santana is signed to be traded. That's what he does. Uh, last year gets, goes from the Royals to the Mariners this year. He goes from the Pirates to the Brewers. Yeah. I mean, the Brewers obviously is struggling. They only really have Yelich uh, performing at anything like a credible offensive level. So that even a, a Carlos Santana is basically an average hitter, OBP heavy average hitter at this point in his career will help them. I'm not sure when they're getting Rowdy Tellez back, but um, even when he comes back, you can still you know, use Santana on that offense. Uh, yep. Obviously, have some injury issues. Garrett Mitchell, I thought, was going to have a really good year, and obviously blowing out the shoulder on that throw uh, had an effect. You know, Willie Adams has not really hit all that well. Uh, the rookies and Bryce Terang hasn't really done all that much. So I think we could see the Brewers make a few moves like this where they're just trying to make these marginal upgrades to the offense in support of a pitching staff and especially a bullpen that's just been otherworldly. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And they don't get to face the Reds anymore. So thank God for that. Um, as a Reds fan, I'm so sick and tired of seeing Corbin Burns, Freddie Peralta, and Christian Yelich. I just don't want to see them ever again. Um, no, they, they, Yelich, great story. Really turned, you know, really re- return, reverted back to being a star again this year. And, and more like the player he was with the Marlins. He had yep. that one, almost a calendar year stretch where he was the best player in baseball. He was Barry Bonds light. But before that, he was a doubles hitter, drew some walks, played good defense. Then he was bad for a couple of years after the knee injury. And mm-hmm. this is kind of the player the, the Brewers originally traded for. And it is really great to see. And you know, he's holding up his end of the bargain, just not getting a whole lot of support from the team around him. You'd mentioned Burns, Peralta, and, and Yelich. How about not ever wanting to see Piamps, Williams, and uh, uh, who's the third of league kept throwing shutout innings at you? Uh, there's too many of them, man. Um, they had, they had the same box score lines for like three Uribe or I think it was Uribe, right. Or Milner, Hobie Milner. That, that guy's no, it was a right. Bryce Wilson could no. be Bryce Wilson or Abner Uribe too. Um, but yeah, but, just, or Pagaro also, just, but yeah, they, Pagaro, that's who it was, Elvis Pagaro. But you know, uh, Ellie had, had the they, triple they, steal against Pag- Ellie did have the triple steal against Pagaro. So we'll always have that. That's but, true. Uh, yeah, that was a fun hey, look, series. Two, what, two and a half out now, one and a half out, but you don't have the, the no, it's two and a half and you don't have the, uh, the, the tiebreaker. Nope. nope. They, the... they dominated us. So there is that, uh, us. Yes. I use us deal with the people. I, I am a fan <laughs> and that's okay. Um, nonetheless, you don't uh, want to use us for Northwestern these days. Pipe down, Joe pipe down. You get a double pipe down for that one there. <laughs> um, yeah, we're moving on. We're not even going to talk about the world of football. Life is good for Jeff, except for certain things. But anyways, um, Reds, I pr- I'm expecting to be disappointed by the Reds. I think that in part that the, the issue of inventory strikes them a lot as well. Yes, they could use some just some league average innings. But is that really going to get you anywhere in the playoffs? I think it gets you to the playoffs, maybe. But I don't want to be trading away Christian and Encarnacion strand away for someone that you know i for i'm trying to think of like who would be that av- like league average innings eater guy 
Um, I, it's not even going to be, you want that even doesn't get, I think that doesn't even get you Stroman. Um, and I don't think Stroman in that ballpark is even a good thing. Anyhow. Not with that infield defense. No, no. Um, here's, it's like the Dodger thing, right? If there was a number one, maybe you'd be willing to do it, but here's the thing. Like the Orioles, the Reds have more infielders than they can play. Like yep. one of the better ways to get value here would be to pack them. And I, I'd written about both the Orioles and the Reds in the context of possibly acquiring Otani in part, because I thought that would have been, those would have been the two most fun places for him to end up. Like yeah. two teams we don't think of as making trades like that. And of course, like I said, the Angels kept Otani and that's a really good thing, but there's mm-hmm. just not, you know, both of these teams combined have like 12 good infielders and they're never going to be able to play them all. And unfortunately in this market, there's not really the guys to trade them for. Like, let me ask, I mean, I don't love Cease in, in Great American Ballpark, but would you trade, we'll say, Arroyo and CES for Cease? Maybe. May like add Graveman, add Graveman to the picture plan. and we'll talk. Um, yeah, you guys could use some volume in that bullpen too. That's, yeah, that's the other thing. Absolutely. So you, had a, you have to hope you're getting Green and Lodolo back for at least six to eight starts. Lodolo's right? not coming back till September. They just said that. So um, <sighs> that's another thing too. Um, you know, I don't want to make excuses for the Reds not to trade for pitching though um, because this has been – they did a bad jo- a job ahead of time anticipating that, that the, the pitching. Um, they, they could have even just had like league average AAA guys ready and they didn't have that um they just have nothing i mean they i guess they did with ben lively i mean that's what ben lively worked out well enough uh but and you know they they don't even have like the the triple a veterans otherwise though they just it's just more luke weaver this just ugh, just can't handle i think it. they expected sessa and weaver to be those guys and neither okay but really everyone should know better about weaver i mean come on i will i will say this i don't think Going into 2023, we expected to be having these conversations about the Reds. The Reds have been far better than expected True. In, in that window where how much were they really going to invest in depth for the major league team in 2023? If we, if this conversation is, we're having this conversation a year from now. Absolutely. I mean, not for nothing, but this team has like a $40 million payroll next year. They could sign three starters and basically get to a league average payroll. If they're not spending money this winter, I don't know what you do. I don't know. We're also going to go. I know Jeff, but um, there, this is one of those teams where just the payroll is now so low, you know, with Votto coming off it next year with your is coming off it. You got to go out and spend money somewhere. And when you have this many position players, some of that could be trading for, I don't know, you Darvish or somebody like that. And some of it could be just signing, you know, Nola and Stroman and Rodriguez, but they've got to, And then now you've got green as your two and you've got Lodolo as your five and you've got, Abbott and you've got um, Ashcraft. So you don't need Graham Ashcraft to be good. You just need him to be there. So no, I'm, I would be bullish on the Reds. If there's a team I could take over right now, I would probably choose the Reds. Yeah. Reds and Orioles. I mean, that's, that's where it's at. I mean, neither have long-term commitment issues at all. Of course, neither have owners that you, you feel compelled to believe that's in. That's the problem. Um, and I, I, yeah. I, I love the job Nick Crawl has done. I'll give him a lot a world of credit. I don't want to give any credit at all to the Castellinis for having the like the vision to say, oh, see, we knew this was coming or anything like that. Uh, because I don't think they did know that. I think they were very cynical about it. And anyhow, less said about that, the better. This is a happy occasion. Let's not worry about who hurt me here. Um, the Astros, very odd offseason. 
Not often that you see a team win a World Series, make multiple World Series in a row, and then let their GM walk. Um, and that's what they did. They did not add to this team. The, the one addition they made was Jose Abreu, and that's that's been a really bad investment. They let three starting pitchers go, and then two more, or, and two more got hurt. Or they let Verlander go. Uh, they they lost Luis Garcia and Urquidy. That was tough. But they've done no additions to this team. You know, I I don't know if you've read Aaron, Evan Drellich's book, Winning Fixes Everything. Yeah. And having finished it about a month ago, um, it put the Astros' most recent offseason into context for me. This actually has been a dysfunctional organization for a while now, okay. led by Jim Crane at the top. And kind of putting this last offseason with chasing off James Click, with bringing in Dana Brown, with kind of having a, you know, signing Jose Abreu in between those two things with not investing much in the pitching staff. And let's not forget, they spent some money on Michael Brantley. That didn't work out. Lance McCullers somehow managed to get hurt again, if you can believe it. I mean, they had a lot of things go wrong in addition to some of the things they didn't do all that well. Yeah. But it does feel like Crane is kind of pulling back from the organization that he had three years ago. I mean, he's got Jeff Bagwell in his ear. He's got Reggie Jackson in his ear. Stop me when I get to somebody you want running your baseball team. Uh, and all of these things combined, I mean, I think I do think we've seen the end of the Ashes. And that's not to say they can't get to the playoffs, make a World Series run. I'm not, the frontline talent is still what it is. But they, even that's starting to, you know, Altuve's up there. Alvarez can't stay on the field. Bregman's probably seen his best days. Uh, Jeremy Pena certainly looks like a, one of those guys who had a great postseason, but has kind of reverted to be the, being the player he looked like as a prospect. Um, it, my prediction has been this. They will miss the playoffs before they win another World Series. I think that's where they are. They are now finally on the back end of the, of the mini dynasty. And I know yeah. a lot of baseball fans will be upset about that. Yeah, right. Um, clang, clang, bang. Uh, but I, oh, it's interesting. I, I actually, you know, and Houston fans have had it really good for a long time, so you can't really feel bad for them per se. But nonetheless, I mean, it's, it's kind of like this is artificially torn apart. It could have been something that could have been extended even longer. And now, now we're seeing this here. So you, you know, this, this is a team I kind of expect to say, uh, hear them say, well, we got Jordan Alvarez back this week. We got Jose Altuve back this week. That's like getting a trade deadline acquisition. Um, see the Yankees in the same boat with Aaron judge for that matter. Well, the other thing is this is a very weak farm system. Remember they had the draft pick penalties yeah. and I want to say it was 20 and 21. So they're feeling the heat from not having four top picks. Um, they've obviously been drafting low in the low in the stack for a long time. Now. Yeah, a little bit. And Whitley falling apart too. That hurts. Force Whitley turned out to be a disaster. They invested yeah. in John Singleton. That didn't work out. I mean, they, they their team is on the field. Um, to, yeah. Even if there was some high end talent on the market, they couldn't go get it. You could see them do some of the things they didn't receive. Remember, they picked up an entire bullpen at the twenty one deadline. They had traded for four relievers. Mm -hmm. about a 48-hour period. And that worked out well, very well for them on their way to the World Series. Um, we've never seen Dana Brown in this spot before. I think that's one of the more fascinating stories here. Dana Brown's been a longtime executive with the Braves, inherited the job, you know, came, was hired away from the Braves to take the job now at, as GM. And we really don't know what he is. Um, and I think it's fascinating to see how he's going to handle this deadline, given the fact that he doesn't have a great farm system to work with. And he's got some dysfunction in that front office with, you know, other with ex players having uh, cranes ear. Yeah. And uh, I remember during the draft, a lot of people were talking up Dana Brown is this is his time to shine. This is, this is his specialty was the draft, not the trade deadline. So we'll see, uh, you know, 
you know, sometimes GM doesn't mean what it meant in the past, too. It's that's just one of many uh, voices in the room. Right. But we don't like they're they're kind of moving away from that and used to like they don't have yeah. a bunch of. Well, again, I mentioned Backwell and Jackson. I mean, um, it's all like the, it's like the Cubs where you know, you've got Jed Hoyer, you've got Carter Hawkins. You had a lot of smart guys in that room right. um, here. I think it's Dana Brown and kind of and, and I say Dana is scouting background comes out of that successful Braves organization. This isn't. Brown can't do this. This is, we just don't know. And we're about to learn a lot about Dana Brown. He might pull off some really good trades here. And I think, you know, the last five, next five days, like what are the big stories? I think Brown running his first trade deadline is one of them. I agree with you on that. Uh, Yankees, you know, let's look at them for a little Must bit. We? Do we have to? Yeah, this is your fandom. You know, hey, we, we went through uh, mine earlier and now we got to go through the Yankees and they're not a fun team to watch, especially when Judge isn't there. They're going to get him back this week. Uh, finally, uh, but this, I mean, this is a team that to me looks like a team that was unprepared for the switch to the new rules. Uh, they're old, they're slow. Uh, they, they got old, older and slower real fast too. Like Dijela Mayhew hit that, you know, finally it's like, oh yeah, this, he's 34. Really? And he's looking like he's all every bit of that too. Yeah, I've defended Brian Cashman pretty extensively because of the long track record. Yeah. But a lot of this year, this year's team, I don't think it's the new rules. I think it's just, you know, the extension for Hicks. The trade for Hicks was great. The contract was bad. DJ LeMahieu, the first two-year deal was fantastic. Right. The second was never going to work. The yep. trade for Stanton has blown up. You know, Aaron Judge, they trapped themselves into signing Aaron Judge. Because you look at the second half offense last year, it was Aaron Judge and the Judgettes. But yep. this year, you know, you see it's Aaron Judge and the Judgettes again. You know, Anthony Volpe... Oswaldo yeah, Peraza, Oswaldo Peraza, Orlando Cabrera, those guys haven't really launched. Um, I mean, there have been days where the lineup has literally been like half a waiver wire. Bowers and, and McKinney and Calhoun and Cordero. Um, these guys are all available in your 15-team league if you want to run out and get them. Uh, it's, it's just not a good roster. And they're transitioning. And, you know, you hope a year from now, you know, Volpe will be more established. One of Cabrera or Peraza will do something. I don't know if there's a reason to invest a lot in the trade deadline for them. Not because Judge is coming back, but, you know, there are nine back in the division. Yeah, he could land in the wild card. Um, but I don't know that I would trade Cabrera for, you know, Rodriguez or Peraza for Strowman or make any kind of deal like that. Frankly, offense is what they need anyway. Right. There's not a lot of offense out there at all. I mean, to, we talked about how thin the pitching is, but it, there's not a lot of hitters in the market at all. Cody Bellinger, maybe? Yeah. Um, I don't, it's interesting because Bellinger's uh, slash stats were so disparate from his, from his uh, underlying performances on his caught batted ball numbers for much of the right. year. But if you look at him in July, now the batted ball stuff is great. He's actually been crushing the baseball. So that slash line is a little bit more deserved at this point. And yeah, he might is. be a fascinating pickup down the stretch. Plus good defensive center fielder. You know, we'll see how often he can play center. The Cubs have been playing him at first base to protect him. I believe it was a knee that he injured uh, at the wall a couple uh, about six weeks ago. Yep. Um, so you get him, and you've got some flexibility there. But I come back to the whole idea where I just don't think the Cubs are selling. I really don't. I, I don't disagree. I mean, the one team in the NL Central that has a positive run differential as of a couple of days ago, at least. I don't know if the Brewers have gotten there since then, but um, well, they you know, played the Reds. So. I know I'm aware of that, Joe. Um, <laughs> uh, I know that now. Yeah, they're still minus three. Reds are minus six. Cubs are plus 48. I mean, they're not just barely in the green. They're way in the green. So let me ask you. I mean, I'm not I'm not just taunting you as a Reds fan, but seriously. 
I've got to tell, I've got to say to you right now, one of these teams will finish ahead of the other Cubs or Reds. I think it's the Cubs. I mean, I haven't looked at the schedules. I mean, I think that might be part of it there. Uh, but if the Cubs don't sell, and I don't think they do, then yeah, yeah, I, and I, the Reds would really have to find ways to improve their pitching, uh, and I, it's a hard time to do that. Every every contending team in baseball seemingly needs a pitcher. The Rays need a pitcher. The Braves need a pitcher. The Dodgers need two pitchers. The Diamondbacks need six pitchers. They're not going to get them, by the way. Um, it's just, you know, it, it's it's a tough market to get out there and get that. Right, and that's a, I look at the Reds. I think there's as great a story as they've been. There's a lot of collapse risk. If you look, took every team that's above 500 right now. I think the Reds probably have the greatest collapse risk of any of those teams, where they could close 19 and 41 or something. And the I Reds, Marlins, and the Diamondbacks are all very similar. You know, very uh, much so. Yeah, you know, and and, and the this Diamond... is again why I look at the Padres and the Cubs and go, why are you selling? Right. And so they might not be. Yeah, I think that's that's entirely plausible. Uh, the other thing we need to talk about, um, and you alluded to it in your newsletter today, is we 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 see these trades. We look at the the Giolito trade, for instance, today uh, that ha- occurred overnight, and you start to wonder, okay, where is the big name prospect? You know, where is it? You know, there, our awareness of prospects is is what it is out there now, but it is with the teams too. You don't see as many. You know, unless it's one Soto level trade where you don't see these big name prospects get dealt that much more, you need to have the uh, pro scouting and kind of dig into the crevices a little bit more to find these good prospects. You haven't thinking about this since the oldest Chapman trade, and you go back to 2016, was Chat when Chapman went from the Yankees to the Cubs. And Gleyber Torres, who would end up being a top 15 prospect at the end of the year, was the part of the package back along with Billy McKinney and some other stuff. Yep. Uh, and this trade was for Cole Reagans, kind of a failing for former first round pick and Ronnie Cabrera, who's a 17 year old who hasn't played stateside yet. The Torres trade is kind of a demarcation line in terms of what teams used to pay for rentals and what they pay for rentals now. So yeah. And if the Soto's out there, if a Trey Turner's out there, you'll see some highly rated prospects go for, but by and large for these two month guys, it's not going to be rated prospects. And honestly, Giolito is an exception. Edgar Carrera, a 20 year old catcher is actually a, uh, Who's number 65 on the MLB list? I don't know where he is on the other ones, but I know I saw these uh, a rated prospects. A little lower on RotoWire, by the way. That and James Anderson James just came lower? up. Okay. Yeah, like 240, I think. Uh, and he Ooh, just came up I with an update those. this week. So I love when there's a big difference in the guy. I, I just, yeah, it's I, a good it's challenge, right? Yeah, yeah, smart people can look at the same player and see different things. Um, so yeah, so maybe uh, you want to discount the rating a little bit. But point is, for a lot of these players that we're going to see traded over the next five days. It's not just, well, he's the number four guy in this organization, or he's 82 on this list. A lot of it is going to be teams sending their pro scouts around, identifying players that the other team might be undervaluing, and going out to target them. And you, know, you look around the league right now, and you know Joe Ryan was, was a guy like this, um, was pitching well for the Twins. He was picked up for two months of Nelson Cruz. Jorge Lopez, who has already been traded by the Twins, he went from the Orioles to the Twins last year for Yenier Cano, who's just been wicked all year. You go throughout the league and you see these unrated prospects traded at the deadline who are having an impact now. And this, to me, is the impact of pro scouting. And I think it's hilarious that I'm sitting here telling you, talking about scouting. You know, I was one of the VP guys and stats yep. over scouts and all this other stuff. Um, but that I've come to really appreciate the value of pro scouting and identifying talent, particularly in a time when teams are trying to identify players with a growth mindset who can improve in their organization. And of course, you know, this is one of the big differences in, differences in the teams now. 
the start of the podcast, we were talking about the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Rays, the Guardians, these teams that make their players better. I think when those teams target somebody or when those teams let somebody go, they're signaling their pro scouts opinion about those players. It's actually one of the reasons a little surprised that Ryan was able to get away from the Rays, but um, I think the other corollary is you target those teams that are good at developing prospects and just say, Hey, Mm -hmm. let's go from there. Let's take from their stash. That's that they're starting from a better spot. Let's go for them. But is it though? Because I thought I wrote this last year when the Yankees traded for uh, Frankie Montas, which is such a great trade for the Yankees. They (laughs) traded three pitchers who to me, their careers changed dramatically in that trade because they went from one of the organizations that's been the best at turning these young pitchers of a type, college pitchers, you know, maybe not great velo, but they can be taught and turning them into major league relievers, occasionally a major league starter, going to an organization in the A's that hasn't showed that ability at all. Like Ken Waldachuk might have lost $15 million in this trade just by (laughs) going from the Yankees to the A's. This is why, you know, think – if the, if the Rockies pick somebody up, if the Mets, if the Royals, when was the last time any of those franchises acquired somebody and made them better? That's a great question. Um, I guess, but I, I'm just saying if you're self-scouting, you are that said, you know, Rockies eating paste in the corner team. Um, okay, I'm going to target the good teams and hope they're undervaluing a guy at least, right? I guess that's more of my point there with Joe Ryan. It's like, okay, well, and also the Rays, 40 man roster crunch. You find teams that have that and maybe you can, you can surprisingly land yourself a good player. Right. This is actually one of the issues that the better teams have now is they have so many players that, that they're, you know, they're looking to trade. They're looking to clear out a a roster crunch both now. You know, they're looking ahead and saying, we're going to have a roster crunch. And then in Mm -hmm. December when they actually do have to cut down to 40 or 39 or 38 to make a rule five pick. So yeah, Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a gap right now. Um, I, I think we focus a lot on payrolls. Maybe not you and me, Jeff, but the larger, oh, this team has a big payroll. This team has all these revenues. But the actual things of winning and losing now are scouting, our player development, our yeah. drafting. I, it, 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 you can give everybody the same amount of money. I just created the NFL. Um, I guess what I'm trying to say is that we focus too much on payrolls and not enough about on the skills that the, these organizations right. have. Right. Absolutely. I mean, the Dodgers, I mean, they've done a great job with that. You know, they, you know, the Rays have done a great job with that. Absolutely. But if you are the GM, let's, let's call you Billy Epler and you've just inherited, you have now have the Mets. How do you go and improve? You go target teams that are good at developing players. That's all I'm saying. Um, And yeah. And then all these teams that have had an epic wave of injuries, they're going to have another uh, 40 man roster crunch. Like the Rays again are going to have a real crunch this year. Uh, all those pitchers that they've lost and that, that's, but that also is kind of a feature, maybe how they use their pitchers too, though. That might be the other, the counter argument It's like, okay, well, they're good at developing pitchers. They're getting extra velocity in them, but the, the risk is they get hurt more often. You know, how many times that we have to talk about how it's been unfortunate that the Rays have lost so many relievers? Well, maybe it's because they're max effort guys. Maybe they churn them out and they get hurt more often. Pitchers have been in running backs. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. I hate to be that way. I hate to be cynical, but it's it's plausible at the same time. Well, when you already know you don't have a 10-year investment in a, in a player, when you expect to only have a three-year investment in the player, that certainly mm-hmm. changes how you manage it. <laughs> when you only have a two-month investment in a player, you get, let them go a complete <laughs> game shutout for the first time. In yeah, Otani's going to be in a four-man rotation now the rest of the way. <laughs> exactly, exactly. All right, we'll leave it on that note. Uh, Joe, tell people how they can get your newsletter. 
uh, go to joshian.com. There's excerpts there. There's a whole page of free content newsletters I've written in the past. I'm running the newsletter now. This is my 14th season after years of baseball prospectus as well. I love writing about the game. Um, it is a subscription newsletter. It's one of the first baseball subscription newsletters out there. I know now everybody has one, but I think if you buy it, you'll enjoy it. There's an email link there as well. If you have any questions, drop me a line. Jeff, if you'd also let me squeeze in here, our old friend Craig Elston and I have started a podcast oh, where we cool. do our Immaculate Grid every day. For people who know Immaculate Grid, the baseball trivia game, actually it's football, hockey, NBA versions now. Um, but yeah, just look in, look at the players. We talk every day, about a half hour, keep it short, just about our, the players we picked, stories about them, and uh, we have a lot of fun with it. So you can check that out. It's Immaculate Talk. Um, it's on all the major podcast uh, networks and probably some minor ones too. All right. I, that's awesome. I didn't know you were up with doing that with Craig. Now that's awesome. Craig's great. Good people. All right. That's going to wrap up today's pod. Thanks everybody. Listen to start starters coming up tomorrow. Uh, thanks as always for listening to the RotoWire podcast. Take care. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why, what do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.